an adventure in the fourth dimension by farnsworth wright from weird tales october 1923 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org read by dale grothman an adventure in the fourth dimension by farnsworth wright the thought of meteors terrifies me they have a disagreeable habit of coming down and killing people at the most inopportune times that is why i was so startled when i saw a large object hurtling toward me out of the sky as i was walking along the lakefront recently in my city of chicago i shivered this was the end i began to say my prayers to my astonishment the onrushing missile struck the grass beside me without the slightest jar i gasped thousands of singular objects began to detach themselves they bounded from the mass and suddenly increased in size from one inch to three feet in diameter they were entirely round and covered with teeth on each tooth were ten ears constantly in motion each ear carried a quizzical eye the dwarfish creatures rolled rapidly on the ground the ears serving as legs hands tentacles and what not propelling them with incredible speed sometimes they stood on only four or five of their ears then suddenly pressed hard against the ground with a half a thousand ears at once thus bounding high into the air they lit without jar for the ears acted as shock absorbers and broke their fall surely these are explorers from mars or venus i thought as the funny bounding creatures filled the air you are wrong they are jupiterian said a voice behind me i recognized the voice it was professor nutt you probably know him ahem he said ahem ahem and once more he repeated ahem interesting if true i remarked and what might jupiterians be they might be men but they're not he snapped they are people from the planet jupiter out of your ignorance you thought they were martians or venusians but you are wrong for mars and venus have people of three dimensions like ourselves jupiterians are entirely different there are six hundred thousand of them in this jupiterian airship i was so overjoyed at finding someone who could tell me about them that i didn't think to ask him how he knew all these startling facts where is the airship you speak of i asked there it is he answered rather grandiloquently and pointed to the empty spot on the grass i looked carefully and made out a vast transparent globe apparently of glass which was rapidly becoming visible because of the chicago dust that was settling upon it i approached and touched it with my hand it gave forth a metallic ring ah laughed the professor you thought it was glass but it is made of jupiterian steel look out i sprang back at his warning and the last hundred thousand leapt out of the globe passing right through the transparent metal of which it was composed nom de mademoiselle i exclaimed in astonishment 
This is a swear word I had learned in France when I was in the army. Nom de mademoiselle, I repeated, for I like to show off my knowledge of language. How can they pass through the glass without breaking it? Through the Jupiterian steel, you mean, said Professor Nutt severely. I told you before that it is not glass. Jupiterian steel has four dimensions, and they pass through the fourth dimension. That's why you can't see the metal, for your eyes are only three-dimensional. Are the Jupiterian people four-dimensional? I said, awed. Certainly, said Nutt, rather irritably. Then how can I see them? I exclaimed triumphantly. You see only three of their four dimensions, he replied. The other one is inside. I turned to look again at the Jupiterians, who now covered the whole waterfront. One of them sprang lightly fifty feet into the air, extended a hundred ears like tentacles, and seized an English sparrow. He crushed the sparrow with some score or more of his teeth, which, as I have said, covered his whole body. In less than a minute the poor bird was chewed to pieces. I looked closer and saw that the Jupiterian had no mouth. Nom de mademoiselle, I exclaimed for the third time. How can it get the bird into its stomach? Through the fourth dimension, said Professor Nutt. It was true. The chewed-up pieces of the bird were suddenly tossed into the air, and the Jupiterian sprang lightly after them. In mid-air he turned inside out, caught the pieces of the bird in his stomach, and lit on the grass again, right side up with care. Did you see that? I exclaimed in a hushed voice. Why can't I turn inside out that way? Because you are not four-dimensional, replied the professor, a trace of annoyance in his voice. It is a beautiful thing to have four dimensions, he rhapsodized. Your Jupiterian is your only true intellectual, for he alone can truly reflect. He turns his gaze in upon himself. And sees what he had for breakfast, I gasped, and what his neighbors had, too? Your questions are childish, said the professor wearily. A Jupiterian, of course, can look into the soul of things and see what his neighbors had for breakfast, as you so vulgarly expressed it. But Jupiterians turn their thoughts to higher things. The creatures now surrounded me, their ears turned inward, as if they were supplicating. What do they want? I asked the professor. They want something to drink, he replied. They are pointing their ears toward their stomachs, to show that they are thirsty. Oh, I said, and pointed toward the lake. There is the fresh, cool water of the lake, if they're thirsty. Don't be fantastic, said Professor Nutt. It isn't water they want. He turned his stern, pitiless gaze on my hip pocket. I turned pale, for it was my last pint. But I had to submit. If you have ever had Professor Nutt's cold, accusing eyes on you, you will know just how I felt. I drew the flask from my pocket and handed it to the chief Jupiterian, who waggled his ears in joy. Immediately there was pandemonium, if you know what I mean. Ten thousand times ten thousand ears seized the cork and pulled it out in a resounding pop. One thirsty Jupiterian passed right through the glass 
into the bottle in his eagerness to get at the contents and nearly drowned for his pains you see how useful it is to be four-dimensional remarked the professor you can get into any cellar in the world merely by passing through the walls and into any beer keg in the same way but i argued how did this this insect get through the glass into the whiskey bottle the glass is only three-dimensional like everything else in this world don't call him an insect nut sharply reprimanded me he is a jupiterian and as such he is infinitely superior to you and me he passed through the glass because he is four-dimensional even though the glass isn't if you had four dimensions you could untie any knot by merely passing it through itself you could turn inside out or pass through yourself until your right hand became your left hand and change into your own image as you flee it in the looking-glass no mademoiselle i exclaimed for the fourth time a distant noise of barking was borne to my ears by the breeze all the dogs in the city seem to have gone wild they are disturbed by the talking of jupiterians explained the professor it is too high-pitched for clodhopper human ears to hear unless they have unusual range but the dogs can hear it plainly i listened and finally made out a very shrill humming higher than any sound i had ever heard before in my life and infinitely sweet and piercing ah i am hearing four-dimensional sounds i thought aloud wrong as usual exacerbated the professor with much heat sound has no dimensions it proceeds in waves and bends back upon itself until it meets itself at an infinite distance from the starting point there are three reasons you can't hear the music of the spheres first because it is bent away from the earth by the force of gravity as it passes the sun second because your ears are not attuned to so shrill a sound and third because there is no music of the seers the first two reasons are really unnecessary in the light of the third but a scientific mind such as mine is not content with one reason when three can be adducted just as easily shades of sir oliver lodge i ejaculated sir oliver is alive the professor corrected me a man does not become a shade until after his death then he becomes a four-dimensional creature like the jupiterians only different nom de mademoiselle i commented say something sensible he reprimanded me for the love of einstein how do you know all these things about the jupiterians i asked a sudden suspicion flashing across what i am pleased to call my mind ah einstein yes exclaimed nut greatly pleased my mother's father's name was einstein then you are related to no i am not related he interrupted but my mother's father is a sort of fourth dimensional relationship i suppose i replied sarcastically at that moment the air became vibrant with an invisible sound the jupiterians came rolling from all directions as if they had suddenly heard the dinner bell they bounded through the jupiterian steel of the globe and immediately shrank in size from three feet to one inch 
the jupiterian assembly call just blew explained the professor notice how the passengers draw into themselves six hundred thousand are now packed into that globe our elevated railroads miss a great opportunity by not having four-dimensional creatures to deal with they pack us in just as tight i ventured to remark the globe had begun to shoot into the air when there came from behind me a high-pitched wail of distress a shriller and higher sound than had ever before been heard by human ears so the professor assured me the chief jupiterian had been left behind he it was who had passed into the whiskey bottle not content with getting the lion's share of the contents he had surrounded the bottle in his pleasant four-dimensional way and now he could not get rid of it why doesn't he turn inside out and drop the bottle i asked watching the jupiterian with interest because your whiskey has paralyzed him answered the professor he is quite helpless i looked at the globe which had alighted again each jupiterian suddenly resumed his full size in a brave attempt to bound to the assistance of his chief but the creatures could no longer pass through the four-dimensional metal of which the globe was composed so thick a layer of chicago dust had settled upon it that to all intents and purposes it had become three-dimensional the sudden impact of six hundred thousand bodies caused it to burst with a roar as of a hundred peals of thunder exploding simultaneously the air was filled with dead and dying jupiterians a dark cloud settled over the landscape composed by the flying dust shaken from the jupiterian globe by the explosion long streamers of electric fire shot from the fragments of the airship and seemed to curve in upon themselves everything ran in curves the darkness the cloud the sounds the shaft of light as if bent by the force of gravity i put up my hands and fought the cloud that was settling down upon me i seemed to be covered with falling feathers when the cloud began to lift i found myself in my own parlor the air was full of flying leaves which i was madly tearing from the book and throwing toward the ceiling the book was a treatise on einstein theory of space which i had borrowed from a friend that afternoon i had read nearly a page in it before i fell asleep only twelve men in the world understand the einstein theory it is said if i had read the book i would have been the thirteenth and that would have been unlucky so it is just as well that it is destroyed but what excuse am i going to give my friend for tearing up his book the end of an adventure in the fourth dimension by farnsworth wright